tens of thousands of years before now, um, and that we are meeting on the land of people, black people of the Moana Nation as they are part of the steps to elders past and present. So this conversation is being recorded. Um, if anyone has any objections to that, please uh, tell me afterwards. <laughs>
I'm Jeffrey Jay. Uh, here to listen. I do quite a bit of employing and hiring and uh, bringing people in, so I'm going to be better at it, learn more about it. And my name is Thomas. I, uh, I'm performing artists, also do a lot of programming uh, for venue programs and things like that. Really seeing the power of and the value of diversity in those settings, uh, but I've always taken a really organic approach to doing that, and I've yeah, like, lots of like, some best practice on how to do it, I guess. Um, hi, I think it might be size kind of hiring and things, but also I've had a couple of experiences um, where I've been called out on diversity, not being enough in volunteer spaces, which I found really tricky. Um, and yeah, how to navigate those scenarios and sometimes what I've been called out and been quite full on. Yeah. I'm Helen, um, similar. To, to listen, um, yeah, I've noticed lots of changes over the years and ebbs and flows. So I'm curious to see where it's at. Where people speak yeah. about that. Uh, I'm Sam. Here, here to listen. Um, lots of friends, lots of new artists from different cultures here, overseas and Bali. Love to
what the experience is as a minority artist. to listen and also to just keep opening my eyes up to uh, yeah, how to make my hour actually just totally fit on how to make my practice in the kind of started in the hub context um, a couple of weeks ago when we sort of sat down as a small group and had a conversation about diversity and it turned out that a lot of us like the ideas of like tokenism selling out maybe the burden of like representing a whole culture as an individual in a space um, they were things that all really resonated with us and we'd love to involve like you know more voices in this conversation and hopefully drive this discussion somewhere where we can leave today with some ideas or suggestions or offers on what to do next um, and what to like you know go beyond just like calling out a situation and like how can we actually work together so with that um, Ian and Parvin would you like to share some experiences of working as a culturally and linguistically diverse person in your art space and also So I was very comfortable in creating my work 
and creating and stepping in the room because, you know, they're an Aboriginal theatre company. And the first kind of moments where I kind of started to branch out from that, um, knowing, knowing that I've had kind of mentors and others that have been white mob and um, kind of, you, you look at um, WAPA, Aboriginal theatre, we created it doing Aboriginal theatre. He's not a black fella. But he's, he's a brilliant and he's training people in Aboriginal theatre. And so that's that's where it began for me, was Wapa in that course. And and so Rick has got this huge, huge amount of knowledge around Aboriginal theatre and, and what, it, what it means to be a black fella and the struggles that it takes to kind of Become a become an up and coming artist as a, as a black fellow. So that that course really set the mark for me. And then I thought Rick was a black fellow. No just because the amount of kind of respect that he showed, you know, it all kind of boils down to respect for me when stepping around that. So yeah, um, I can't kind of really think on any other works I've kind of created early in, in, in my career that I started, which kind of made me feel uncomfortable. More, more or less, it was auditions and and, and films and weird stuff like that that kind of just process stuff and kind of pushes you in and out and there's no real connection to to what we're trying to create like I did with Yuri Yarkin. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll try and think on on an example, but I'll let Pardon yarn a bit more about where he started. Um, so I've been, well I started my whole, I guess, for me, I was kind of born into arts because I was being a Hindu, being brought up in Hindu arts is one of our ways, our pathways, you could say, um, to enlightenment. Um, and the whole, I guess, how that is, is, is through this, it's through connecting to your essence, I think. And not just your essence, but humanity's essence. Um, it's connecting, it's because we say, like, what is art? Like, art is, well, in particular for me, music. One of the biggest quotes that I was brought up with was that music is an outpouring of love, that for the outpouring of love for the love that you have within. Which means when you look within you, you look within other people, you look within nature, you look within anything that's living in this world, any transient being, there's an energy. And if you can develop if you can develop a love for that within yourself you realize that what is within you is within everyone else. And so therefore, you fall in love with it within yourself, and you love yourself in that sense. You love everyone and everything. Um, and art is, the, is, is that love, is the way of expressing that love. Um, and so for me, being brought up in that, um, I guess you could say it's a construct or a framework in the way of looking at the world. Um, it, and I was, I was brought up in the Temple of Fine Arts, which is a, which is a company uh, based in Perth now, or oh, well, a few places around the world, but basically ever since I was three, I think, doing that all the way to I was, before WAPA really, um, and which meant I was able to develop and go deep into my practice regardless of what the Western world had to say. Um, and it never existed for me, the Western world never existed, I didn't really care about the industry, I didn't care about any of this, because it was, it's not for that reason for me. <clears throat> didn't even know, didn't even know if it was going to be a career option, it was like, who cares? I'm, I'm doing what I love, and I'm going deep within myself, going deep within my spirituality. So for me, I was I was lucky to be sheltered. Um, that's what I'm, I guess I'm trying to get at. Very sheltered from the world. Um, and then going into Wapa, then Wapa. I think it's really interesting Wapa because 
we have these conversations here, but these conversations don't happen at WAPA. WAPA doesn't have that. And if you're lucky, you'll get a lecturer who's with you who understands it and will actually push you in the right direction. If you're unlucky, you're, you're screwed. You're gonna, you're gonna fall into a different, what's, what happens is you're built in one particular framework and you're trying to force this into another framework and your whole concept is that this framework is the only version of success, um, which kills you. It, it, it kills you, kills your art, kills your spirituality, kills who you are. Um, and I was very lucky to have had a lecturer who pushed me in the right direction from, from day one, especially when every other lecturer was, was trying to kind of push me out of me being me. Um, and because of that, WAPA became a really, really special experience for me where I was actually pushed to develop works, my own works, that was informed by my culture, but for me, this whole thing is we live in this world. I have to be able to give to people in this world and live in this, and survive in this construct. So how am I gonna merge those two together? So I was very lucky to have WAPA in that sense to have the time to figure that out. Um, yeah, I really do feel with that that a lot of these conversations do need to go there as well. It doesn't just matter here because the students, they are your next generation and if they don't get it, you, you're killing a generation basically. Um, which is what I almost had. <laughs> um, but that being said, because I was allowed to, uh, not allowed, I was pushed, I was actually encouraged, especially when I was the biggest critic on myself. I was the one who was like, no, I can't do myself. I can't do that, I have to fit into this box. I have to not expand, I have to be this. And I was like, no, you're, gonna, you're, you're not doing you. You have to be you, you have to bring your culture, especially, because that's, that's the treat. That's the special thing, that's what people need here. Um, and so I was very lucky to have been, been brought up in that and then picked up by Matt and just fully seek. I was very, very lucky. My whole journey has been super, super lucky, I always say. Um, going to fully seek was incredible. Um, the team was, the team was special. I think, I was, I was doing my honours at the time and doing fully seek and fully seek was my honours, um, was part of my honours uh, dissertation. And so there was a lot of questioning Matt, questioning everyone in the team understanding their mindset, their point of view, how they direct this, how are you gonna, especially a show like this where Matt being Caucasian and, and Subjit and I being uh, of color, how are you gonna do that? Like, what are people gonna think? How are you gonna guide this? How are you gonna create a safe spot, a safe space? And I know, I know a lot of time, a lot of the time whenever I talk to people about doing shows now, about having Caucasian people in the, in the work or even directing the work, a lot of people, shy away, well, not shy away, they fear away. They're like, no, that's not right because they're gonna manipulate this, then they're not gonna know, they're gonna do it from their point of view. But but similar to Rick, I think you have people, I think one big thing I wanna share with people is that you do have people who get it. You do have a lot of people who are white, who want to understand, who want to help out, who want to get it. Um, and when they genuinely do, it becomes beautiful. It's as simple as that. Um, because they're going to go out of their way to try and find out how they're going to make the safe space. And I mean, the space, yeah, the space safe, but it's really interesting talking to Matt about that because with him, it was this whole thing of, well, <clears throat> it's so simple. It's, you're not trying to make a whole culture feel safe. You're trying to make that person feel safe. And if that person represents that culture, then inherently you're making the whole culture feel safe. But it's all to do with the people in the room. It's all about just asking them. It's like very, it's, it's as simple as that. Ask them if you genuinely want to know Ask them, be with them. When I say be with them, I mean spend time with them. Be, 
get into their world. The thing that Matt did a lot was that he, he, he went and had dinners at Sujit's family. He, he went out to the um, to the Gurdwara, their, their temple. He went and went and like spent experience. What's it like to live in that culture? And then from that informed that informed how the show is going to be. So I think if a lot of people here, from from what I heard before, who are like, how do I facilitate that in my own practice? I think it's it's just about the conversation and, and being there to, to experience what that's like. Um, that being said, Seek was incredible. Um, and there were tough times. There are a lot of tough times. A lot of different things. Community, firstly. One way, in one way, it's 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 having all the Caucasian people. You're, you're scared of Caucasian people, right? Because you're like, oh, no, they're not going to get my culture. On the on the flip side of it, you got the whole community. Your whole community who's judging you because you're working in a wet, in a white industry, and they're like, I'm not even going to go to the theater because what is that? We we don't go to the theater. Like that's not our thing. That we we that's not our space. That's not where we feel safe in. That's uh, safe in spiritually or culturally or in any way. And so this massive thing of see, the thing. I really live in Perth. We live here where it's so multicultural and and prior to I guess this generation was it was it's a lot of uh, segregation even if it is passive. But now it's this whole thing of I, I see this whole next generation, this next push as something as being as what Marara said, a, a democracy. How can we make this into a democracy? And for me it was always it's very for me, I don't I don't know, I think I've been very lucky because it's just it's it's never it doesn't really exist to me. Even the term democracy segregation doesn't really exist to me because they're not real. They're just concepts that we have. We're all human at the end of the day. You're making that real by even, making, by even saying that. By even saying the segregation, there has to be democracy. Well, yes, thing. If you say this is not a democracy, that means segregation has to exist, right? Polar opposites. Otherwise, there's no good, there's no bad. It's like the whole, that whole argument. And <clears throat> with this, my biggest thing is can we strip it? Strip that or burn that concept? Learn it out of our minds, let it dissolve to realize that actually, if you look at it, we're all just people who ex feel the same emotions, who experience the same things but express it differently. And, and, and that's the beauty of this, what we have here, is that we're all so completely different, <laughs> but at the same time, the base level, we're all the same. So, and for me, I guess, if you want to know a bit more about me, is that I've kind of been lucky to have jumped onto the essence of it all. I've been exposed to that essence and, and realized that if I can understand the essence of everyone in human nature and, and if I can, I can really be that and live that way, then all of this doesn't exist. All of this is just a play. It's all an illusion, basically. Um, so that's just, yeah, that's just my very specific <laughs> uh, point of view <laughs> on everything. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, I guess that's just enough about me. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I just, I just like that, there's that 
stage and share to people because I think at that point Sibji had just gone on Australia's Got Talent and she was trying to share, like showcase her culture, well not showcase or share it, spread it. Um, and so I think the whole conversation with Matt and Sibji just kind of sparked that even more and then Matt being at that time the artistic director of Barking Gecko um, was like hey I wonder if we can do this at Barking Gecko and then the Black Swan as well, I'm sure Helen can elaborate on that more. <laughs> so we, we knew, Sibji actually as a university student came and did a second with us. Um, so it was about five or six years before, and then yeah, um, it was really about Sukshit being ready to tell her story at that time. So it was very much led by her, and Matt was the right director, and yeah. then the team just slowly came together, and we had to find the right context. Also, there's still yeah. there's something within the relationship that Matt and Sukshit already had. Yeah, it was pre the show. Yeah. For yeah. Matt to be able
So I don't have roots in Australia. Um, it's just like my parents came and then I was born. So I, I always call it that I lived in a little ethnic bubble for like 15 years of my life because I then went to Islamic school. <laughs> so it was like I grew up with my parents who came here, mum didn't know the language, dad did shocked mum that he knew it, she didn't know that. Um, <laughs> um, and then like learning English with my mum and being in my little family bubble and then going to an Islamic school for 10 years where I was just surrounded by every other ethnicity under the sun, but not necessarily white Australia as you would typically consider it. And for me, when I went to public school for two years, it was quite a culture shock for me. Um, but I did still decide to pursue writing after year 12 because I didn't know what else I wanted to do. So I was like, I'm gonna do writing when I looked at the course. So I was like, yep, yeah, that's the thing that I like doing. So I went, so I did writing at Curtin University. Um, and I've been reflecting on that a lot lately as someone who's now entered the art space like a good eight or nine years after that and how maybe potentially not culturally safe that space was in terms of there being no considerations that people come from different backgrounds in terms of you walk into that space and we're all just meant to pretend that we're exactly the same and we all have the exact same experience and we've had the same opportunities and resources when we haven't. So for me, I've always loved theatre, um, but I've only ever been a um, consumer of theatre and usually by myself. So usually um, I'll look into the space and I'm like, oh my god, I can tell that I stand out. And not just me being able to tell that I stand out, people look at me. <laughs> and I hope that's not a paranoid thing, I feel like I can see people looking at me. Um, which is fine, it is what it is. Um, but for me, having always walked into that space and if I don't go with someone that I know, it is quite uncomfortable and I quite feel sort of pushed to the sidelines and I think people are quite surprised when they do approach me at any point or if we do ever end up having a conversation with how invested I am and how much I want to talk about and how much I want to know about it, but I didn't see a way into it. Um, when I applied for the lab, I believe, the Koyang lab, on my application I was like, my uh, experience with theatre is kind of like looking, being able to see for a window but never finding a door. Um, like just constantly, I can always see, I can always see the end product. I can always see the show. I can see on social media that things are happening, that shows are happening. But I see no way or opportunity to be like, hey, please welcome come into this space. And I do feel that is a disadvantage for not having gone to Waffle or not having that sort of traditional route of being surrounded. Because in my family and friendship groups, there's not really any engagement with the arts. Um, and I think it is that similar thing that it's like, we don't really, this isn't a space that we see ourselves in, therefore we don't approach it. I shoved my way in here because <laughs> I love theatre. So for me, it's like, I, I am intentionally going there, but I can feel that after, before the show and after the show, I'm kind of by myself and I'll kind of just leave because there's nothing really, almost like there's nothing there for me to engage meaningfully with what's being done. So for me, not having that traditional route in has been very like, like trying to navigate that because when I think about how I'm here now, my sister was telling me the other day, she's like, wow, it seems like you're in, like you've really had all these opportunities in the last few months, and I have, but I decided to pursue theatre as a career like five or six years ago, and nothing's happened until now, it's literally just me on this solo journey, just kind of being like, where can I find books, and is there a public open event that I can go to, just anything to just kind of scramble for being like, how can I just be in that space, and going to that space and not, people are lovely, people are welcoming, but it's, it's quite surprising, I think, when people find me in that space, and that's fine. But for me, I'm just kind of like, I can really tell that there's this weird, um, I don't know what, what to call it, it's just like this weird 
space to navigate because I'm like, I'm here, but what, what do I do here now? Can I, can I contribute? And, and people not knowing necessarily how to engage with me. It's, it's like it's a very strange balancing act. So for me, having these ins into the arts in the last couple of months has been amazing because I think people have got to know me and people have um, you know, been able to be open and everything that way. But then similar to what you guys were saying, when I think of community, I feel like I'm settling in here, but now I've got a whole community to kind of, not report back to, but I've got a whole community now who are like, what are you doing there? Like, what's going on? And now it's a, and now, <laughs> and now it's a matter of, of being like, well, yeah, like we can engage in these spaces and we can do it. And they're like, why? Like, what, like, and I get that, and I get why they have those perceptions. But for me, it's been like, knowing that I'm finding my feet and being very grateful for it, but then at the same time, knowing that I'm gonna have to do so much community work to really, and, and, and I don't want to do it in a tokenistic way. Like, I don't want to just bring my friends just so my friends are here. I want to bring my friends and I want my friends to be like, that is awesome. We'd love to engage in art in this way, that way, that way, that way. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I don't know if that answers the question, but that was my feel. <laughs> yeah, and I think like we've touched a lot on this idea of like creating art for the community um, that you're reaching out to, but then like we've sort of touched on how architecture might be something that is a little bit alienating or doesn't feel safe. What are some other things of like, and maybe even like the purpose for which the art is made for, whether that be spiritual or for entertainment, may also separate. Um, yeah, what does, do you guys, does anyone have anything to share about what maybe their cultures or families think about their practices or like practicing in the arts? So I'm from a Iranian background and from a family that is it's complicated because my dad wanted to be a painter but he was from a Persian family and that was hit with a lot of pushback. And when being a painter didn't work out, me being an artist hit a lot of pushback. And not just because it didn't work for him, but because now I'm in Australia. And my dad's always seen it that I'm never going to be seen as the default definition of what a human is. Because a Middle Eastern isn't anyone's default definition of a human. Yeah, something ingrained in people in Australia. And so, I think to be be in that, to answer your question, to be in that world of um, because I just push back from both sides, so I'm trying to figure out how to break this. Uh, I could go into my experiences, but I think there's more people who can talk right now. So, yeah, I think the main point is that there's always going to be pushback from both sides, from both your own culture and from the world around you. I think that's similar. I've had family members who have said, um, but they're never going to be able to see you as, like, they're just going to see you as that Muslim girl, like, you know, in the space. And I'm 27 now, so I'm pretty confident, I'm like, I don't really care. But, <laughs> but um, I, I get where their apprehensions come from, because they've not really, like, I was explaining to my mum what the arts has been like and what it's been like here, and explaining to her, I'm like, people are considerate of what your needs are. And people ask you, like, for example, just the, the flexible listening, that's not a thing that they've ever considered or heard of. And to be fair, that's not a thing that happens nowadays in corporate spaces. If you're just 
going to be blunt about it. Yeah. But to them, like I was explaining to my mum, I'm like, yeah. if they want you in that space, they're going to have to at least think about what do they need to do to bring you in and have you feel comfortable. And she's like, but like nobody thinks about that. I'm like, no, but people are starting to think about it and we're starting to make sure that people think about it because otherwise then it's just lip service. If you're like, we want you to come and it's like, cool, where is it? For example, for me personally, I wouldn't go to a bar. If your event is at a bar, I won't come. <laughs> um, and that's just that's just like me. But it's just having those considerations of how can you make people feel genuinely feel the most welcome in that space. What accommodations have you made for them? Like with the hub and the lab, there's been a room for me to go and pray, which is great. Like Zainab's come before me; she's made sure that those changes are there. And I'm confident at this point in my age to be like, when I go to a new job with them, be like, hey, I need someone to pray. But when I was 21, I would never have asked for that. I'd hide and pray somewhere in the corner where no one can see me. So the fact that there's now facilities to be like, cool, what do you need? We've organized a prayer space for you. Awesome. I already feel more comfortable because I know that there's ability for me to duck out for five minutes and go pray and come back and still be included and still be involved. And not be like, well, I can't make it because I know I'm going to pray and that I prioritize that, so I'm not going to go. So... Jumping off this, like, kind of, I guess, you know, what we're doing is we're kind of, like, voicing needs or points of access. Um, what can I say? Especially for this question with, like, with a lot of first, I, I myself was, you know, first immigrant parents and, and was born overseas, but, but came here. Um, you know, uh, people who, uh, immigrant families would love for their children to be, that they didn't necessarily have in the country that they came from. Um, you know, they moved for a better life. And so I think that's why this mentality of like artists and you know, people, they, they fear the, the artist way, which I fear the artist and I'm um, And um, yeah, and so I think a really wonderful an like antidote to that, um, and what I strongly advocate for and continually ask arts organizations for all the time is how mentorship for how artists or excessive, you know, like um, artists living with disabilities as mentors for artists with, living with disabilities because that visibility is actually what gets, you know, people people feeling welcome in the space because you know someone has gone before you. And actually that's just science. Like um, your, your, the brain that you use to dream or to uh, plan for the future is the same part of your brain that you use your, your memories exist. Yeah. The same part of your brain lights up. So if you haven't seen someone yeah, like, who visibly looks like mm -hmm. you in a space, you actually really struggle to, to, to see yourself in that space in the future. Um, and, and for me, just as a, as a testament, I, I didn't see myself in this space at all until I met, um, like properly had a conversation. Oh, Joe Louis here. Oh, Vanessa Bates. Oh my God, like there are people who look like me and then something happened in my brain. Yeah. And you can go back to like a, an interview I did with like James Berlin like when I was 17 saying, oh yeah, I just don't think I'm like gonna make it because um, my dad says that artists can only afford teaching in it. Like, and I just like couldn't, I couldn't um, visualize it because yeah. I hadn't seen it. Yeah, that's yeah. the same with me seeing Zeno. Seeing Zeno in art spaces, I was like, <laughs> like, just seeing the one like soul hijabi walking around to me, I'm like, oh my God there's one more person and if she's here I can be here too and, it's, and it seems like it's so like it shouldn't really be a thing but it is a thing like you you think well no I can just go there and occupy that space 
but you don't you underestimate how much power there is in just seeing someone hold that space. Yes. Um, yeah. and, and I think that that's the power of this conversation today, actually, because we, we see, like, you know, um, there, there you know, aren't a lot of, of mid-career artists who exist in the inter, you know, intersect. And I'm talking relatively, like, Mariah, you're so wonderful in this. <laughs> and, and, you know, like, Ian, you're so wonderful. But, you know, it's, like, so great because we have this generation and, you know, of performing lines is seeding time mm-hmm. into um, emerging artists. And we're going to grow up, you know, and if, if, you know, grow up and be able to mentor those people. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know where I'd love, I'd love to point something out that there's so much about there's a mentality that even me coming into the arts, I had the mentality that as though there's some racist person at the door that's blocking and letting only one group of it's not that it's that if it's invisible barrier that sometimes mm-hmm. we have around ourselves, you know, mm-hmm. as artists coming from um, I suppose minority backgrounds. And it's about the more I'm learning was that so as far as I've come in my journey as an artist, I'm learning that we need to be more comfortable with having uncomfortable conversation. We need to be able to create spaces where artists coming from minority backgrounds can voice mm-hmm. where they're at, what they need, and how to create spaces that help them feel safe and at ease and to be able to be artists and, and look after themselves because we're not machines that you can just come in and churn out a work and then just mm-hmm. be, you know, yeah. it's, I mean, it's even just, um, I mean, for the years that I've been here, even just coming out and, and seeing the audience that's looking at you, and you're like, wow, there's not a single, oh my lines, there's not a single black person. <laughs> <laughs> already you're like, so am I entertaining? Am I a clown? What, what am I, am I, I'm already having these doubts in the middle of creating the art. But until we're able to kind of step back as, an, uh, as a group and have like, oh, like de- almost like debriefs, you know? We're like, oh, um, just to check in with each other and see what's, what's, what's going on within our, so others become on with assumptions, you know? Assuming that everyone's on the same page, everyone's, going through the same thing and I just feel the more we have these uncomfortable conversations, the more it becomes normal and the more we create spaces that are, we're trying our best to look after each other and to be there for each other and to support each other as unique as we all come to, you know, as artists. Yeah, because yeah, it's, it's, it's a journey, man, and it's, mm-hmm. there's so much in, um, what's the word, um, what do you call it? Um, inferiority complex sometimes that, that I come into even 14 years of being here I still have that that I'm struggling and here I'm as a dad to two beautiful black young men and we go to the library and I'm having to make work to find pick books that look like them like these like even like the baggage that you come with you kind of and to be able to talk about those things and then I'll be like now let's be artists you know because now we're kind of checking in with each other and just seeing where everyone's at and I don't know I feel we're moving forward but we're not quite there but even this is a step in the in that direction, you know, but there's still a lot of work to be done. Well, just on that point, brother, about when we, when we first were in the theatre discussing this conversation, and the, I, I remember the, the conversation you brought up about um, kind of shows that you are a part of devising and creating, and roles that you are a part of creating and devising with your mindset, then versus roles and shows and projects and work that are created for us. Mm.
But um, so in in response to that, the the article that I mentioned earlier um, by Tanya Canastabesi for that work, she talks about the different levels of engagement that you can remedy um, tokenism in your practice with, um, and, and it's it's at which point you invite another artist to join join you in a process. So if you if you ask an artist who is um, you know if you're feeling you know an interculturalist for example, say, and you ask them to to join you in the process at the casting stage, the solution to tokenism or the solution to um, remedying this lack of diversity, you know, word diversity in, in the arts will only be aesthetic stick because you've employed an aesthetic solution of casting. And if you bring them in, um, maybe at the drum, you know, you've had a couple of drafts dramaturgical level, like you're deepening that, but it, you're, the participation isn't like super deep just yet and, and the artist may not feel comfortable proceeding. If you bring them in right at the beginning, you've actually established um, a, yeah, and mm. an, a relationship and an, yeah. an equality in relationship and voice in the room, mm. and they're, they're coming in, like Pablo was saying, frameworks, you're coming in with two different frameworks, mm. and it's just as simple as you're just meeting another person mm. for the first time, and you're about to make a super awesome thing happen, um, and, and, and you, you offset that, you know, because the worst thing is when you get a script as an actor or something, and it's like, oh, the part is is for you know, is someone who looks like me and comes from my from my culture, but no, no one in the room is is from that community, or there's been no consultation. And even that word, consultation, is really tricky. That's a that's another way that you engage with the community. Um, so can I just ask a question about that in relation to our original um, conversation in there? about sometimes, you know, you are, like the processes that we've been talking about so far have been like ones that, that you have been laid creatives in and you've been supported in that process. But what does happen when you're in a room, you know, in a big theatre company and you, have, you are an actor? Like you're not part of the creative team. Mm. And that thing that we were talking about when then maybe you are the only actor from your culture and then with that comes a big load then of responsibility around your culture as well. Mm. And that's much harder to control because, you know, sometimes there are plays with 10 people in them and you are being engaged as an actor, but then there's still responsibility around that. Can I just ask about that? I, I think Sorry, then we, we just try to For me, I, I, I try my best to not slip into that tokenism for myself. Mm -hmm. and make sure like I can I can utilize this opportunity yeah. to mm -hmm. teach mm -hmm. and, and give who I am mm -hmm. if, if need be and, and pull up people on certain things if need be. And so I'm not afraid to do that. I'm not afraid to step into a room that's set me up purposely to be the token black dude in. Mm -hmm. It's the choice that I make though. If I, I can go, okay, I can automatically perceive that I don't want to be in that room. I'll, I'll step aside and go, no, not for me. But if I go, I've got an instinct or a feeling or a trust, they're trying to do the right thing and, and the heart's there and I like what the project is trying to do for the corporation or the, you know? So I step into that room and go, okay, here's where you kind of went wrong already. I'll still do my role that you want me to do, but, but you need to be better next time. So there's and that extra load. That conversation happens. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, but that's an extra load for you. It is. It's, yeah. Yeah. it's, it's a, a horrible choice to make. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
what about like colorblind cardinals? I'm just thinking like in my process, like I'm just gonna say the word. Um, but like in my process, quite often an acting role to come in is a way for us to get to know each other. So it's like bringing someone in to like see the relationship, to work for children, to understand the practice. It's almost like a first date, almost, because I can pay them and I can bring them in for that time. So I'm not, you know, this kind of, I understand the load and the thing, but is how would that feel to people, I guess is my question. I think every, it's, you know, it's all about the work. It's, it's, it's every project is different, every situation is different, every performer is, is, is different. Um, and... And yeah, it's, it's tricky. Like, I mean, I remember Zainab once saying, like, yeah, like, I've been tokenized so many times, but I just feel like, you know what? If this opportunity has been given to me, I'm going to take it, do the best I can with it in my craft, and maybe I'll, yes, I'll have to educate because, and, and you know, some, some people I'm like, if you are too exhausted to educate, your existence alone is a protest, you don't have to do anything. Um, if you feel like you have the energy to do it, then do it. And because it's like really good work, and I totally lost my train. <laughs> but, yeah, Before definitely. I say what I was going to say, could you quickly repeat what your question was? Because my brain's done its thing, and I just really need to know. It was the difference between being involved, being involved from the very beginning, but also stepping into a room where you haven't had that, and having the roles just there for you. Because I've experienced the inverse experience on both of those. Uh, I was in a film called The Furnace, where I played a Middle Eastern character. Um, I was brought into that film after most of the main cast had been selected. But when I was brought in, we were brought in as consultants after we were brought in as actors. We were there to decide how our characters' names would be pronounced by the other characters and how little things like how our turbans would be wrapped because there were characters from different cultures played by actors from different cultures. Uh, I, they didn't make any choices. They didn't let the costume designers make any choices on how turbans would be wrapped until the Iranian actor came and was like, this is how it should be wrapped because I'm Iranian. They almost made my turban black. And I was like, can't be black. That would mean that my, um, my parents are descended from the Prophet Muhammad. They can't do that. So you, you have to, even if you're coming in late in the process, it still is significant to not make certain choices, I think, and allow flexibility for certain choices. But on the other inverse, I created a piece for a company that I will not name, uh, and that was a show on racism, interestingly. And they, at a certain point, even though I was part of the creation from the start, they at a certain point decided that I don't represent my own ethnicity, and that they didn't think I should be a part of the, the final product. So, you could have someone at the very start, and you could base something on their experiences, and it could still go really wrong, and not based on someone's experiences, and have it go really well. And, and um, also on this note of colorblind casting, I just want to say a quick, a quick thing, is that um, it, it's, yeah, I've got a, it's really interesting. Um, give me a second while I try and remember again what I was trying to say. Yeah, yeah I just like super passionate and then. But um, I, I think it's really important, and no matter who the actor is, that they, they, and okay, the makers. You know, of course, you have to be really aware of the politics of the work, and the casting does for the politics of the work. 
Um, but I, I really reserve the right for any actor, like I, like any, to just transform and to be allowed to transform because that is what acting is. But with the mindfulness of where we are sitting in the ecology right now, because you know the arts is an ecology. We are just an ecosystem, and currently the ecosystem is a little bit out of balance, and it'd be really good to, you know, just contend with that. I just wanted to add as well, I think consciously also being a like, comedian performer is I've also recently decided how do I do this if I'm going to go for a role and put myself in a safe space because at the end of the day your craft and to be a character that's the work and the, the conversation of having all this other things that you have to think about is not what I want to get into. I don't want to think about I am I am the only black person or I am the only person playing this role. That's not what the work is. The work is about telling the story at the end of the day for me. Um, but it's also now realizing how do I like, and I'm happy that there are spaces like this because having a conversation with someone and intimately having that, you know, as a director or producer, hey, can we, can we talk about what this character is doing? Can we talk about how this makes me feel? Is there a possibility of that even being allowed to have that? So that's the direction that I personally am heading into rather than putting myself in a position where I know I'm gonna feel um, like, I'm, I'm gonna feel not safe, or I know that I'm gonna feel that maybe that person might um, disregard what I'm even saying because I have been in a position where I've brought up something um, which is really interesting, like bringing up lactate, for example, I've been in a space like that, um, and someone has sort of let that go, and it's like, no, you know, we're not going to have a conversation about that, and I've been brought back into a classroom situation where I was like, actually, no, I think we should have a conversation about that, and this is the space that we're going to have it. So, for me, personally, I've I've even, as a, as a performer, have decided that I want to be in a space like what Alex was saying, where it is a bit intimate, where I can have that conversation rather than exploiting myself and feeling isolated. Um, in the space. I just wanted to address that conversation in that as well, um, as a, on a personal level, because that to me looks like a safe space. That to me looks like where I can talk to a director or a producer and have that conversation rather than, okay, yeah, we're gonna enter this world and then it changes halfway through and we don't know where that's gonna go. Like, what's kind of what Daniel was saying. For sure, yeah. I think we forget that as artists, we have to return to our homes hall, we have to keep our cups full and I don't know, the, it's, it, it, it's, a, it's depleting creating work and also the kind of bugger that you're coming trying to figure out how create a space where people are not going to say things that offend you and if they have to put that in the back of your mind so you can have a talk to them about them and whatever but it's I don't know I'd rather I'm learning more and more as an artist that I kind of have to put myself first in many ways and even though that might sound selfish but there's only one of me in the world and I'm going there's no show I'm going to go by another Mararo I have to look after myself and know that I'd rather miss a show and not participate in a in a project that might open many doors for me but leave still stay whole, whether it's sometimes saying I'm not going to perform because I feel I'm not, I don't have the, the, the energy to be able to, to, to look after myself, I'd rather write then, you know, and I think as artists we kind of need to be able to be able to leave those avenues open to, our, to, 
Yeah, just to stay, I don't know. But having said that, I mean, having worked with Black Street Hunt and performing live at WWE, I really feel, I've felt looked after and I felt that I'm able to come there as an artist and could contribute and feel valued and feel worthy. And But ultimately, it kind of comes back to what um, Bhavan said, that kind of also has come within. You kind of need to know yourself well enough to know what you need as well. You know, but, that, uh, but on the other side, the organization that you're working with also needs to know that they also have some, some what's the word that's when you work with kids? Studio of care. Yes, studio of care <laughs> to the artists, you know, that you're inviting into your, into your circle of, you know, as creatives. Just piggyback off that, sorry. Um, something that I, I've found from working with different shows and things that, the, the shows and the companies that I've worked with which have made me feel super comfortable, super open, super vulnerable, compared to the ones that haven't, are the ones that, it, it just comes down to clear communication um, mm -hmm. on both ends. Mm -hmm. um, because a lot of the times that even we as colored people, we have a lot of anxiety and we won't open up. We, we, we already assume the worst because of a lot of experiences. So even if that does mean that it does come on the, com on the company's end to open us up a bit more, um, slowly, trust that relationship, make that relationship safe so that you can be open. And that's, that's been the fundamental aspect of every show that I've been in that's worked so well. Um, and that's not just at the start, that's throughout the whole process. So even I'm doing um, Children of the Sea, um, it was this constant check-in, mm. constant check-in, how are you feeling? Mm. How are you as an artist? How are you as a cultural person? How are you as in every role, that every hat that we put on, how are you doing in that? How are you coping? Um, how can we accommodate? Um, and that's been the, the biggest, massive, biggest change. And that's the thing, I, this whole thing also not to assume, um, a lot of people assume that that either we're okay or that we're not. As this thing as we, we both ends can't assume anything. As just always that conversation always has to be open and active, I feel. Um, yeah. and, it, and it takes time as mm. well. Like even on an organizational level, when you try and connect with, um, with communities or groups who are living on the fringes who are, you know, kind of a minority community. Like I was working, in, in my six months at Waco, we've, we've tried to um, establish a couple of relationships with organisations and in fringe communities, particularly in all these suburbs. And it's taken six months mm. to even be able to sit in the room for three hours mm. with a certain group of people or, you know, like to have access to their youth mm. because you have to build the person-to-person -person trust. And not only that, the time functions differently for all of these communities. Like, the other day I was learning about, you know, some other community and they, they might have a wedding, and they said 7, 7 p.m. is the start time. They're not going to get there until, like, 11 p.m. Like, and that's not, a, a, that's not an exaggeration. Yeah, that's early. <laughs> yeah, that's early for the night. And so, like, you know, like, and, and spending that time to just sit together and talk and even building those relationships we didn't even talk about art for like mm -hmm. a really long time mm -hmm. to yeah. be able to build that trust yeah and and then yeah be able i think to that's the biggest thing is that people don't realize how long it takes i think i think it's easy to ask a question and be like well how do we just have diverse people in the room but it's like there's a lot <laughs> that comes with it. like when i think about doing community work for me i know that i'm not going to be able to sit down in that community and be like hey let's go make stuff they're going to want to unpack a lot of stuff before we even put pen to paper. And that's fine, because there's been a lot of stuff that's influenced why they are the way, like, or why we are the way that we are, and how we got here, and everything. So there needs to be time, and there needs to be 
allowances for that. You can't expect to bring someone in, like I can't expect to grab one of my Muslim friends and bring them into the space, but like, hey, cool, go put on a show. They're gonna have like a world of baggage of why it's gonna take them time to get there. If it's language barriers, if it's cultural issues, if it's anything. So I think that's the biggest, if to me personally, that's one of the biggest takeaways is that it's gonna take time, which sucks. You really wish it could literally just be a band-aid solution. And you're like, awesome, we're all here, we're in this space, we're creating diversity, tick box, multicultural Australia. Mm-hmm. I just, it's unfortunate, it's, it's just not that. It takes a lot of time and a lot of work and a lot of com- consultation. And what you're saying, it's a lot of just, just getting to know each other as people first. Before it gets to working relationships, mm. and and those yeah. and those barriers between, like we talk a lot about barriers, it's a really big buzzword in like these kind of conversations. But like both parties have to be able to remove those barriers together, yeah. and so you like that trust is is like coffee is a bypass, <laughs> yeah. you know, with these with these communities. Yeah. Mm. Visibility before you is really interesting. Mm-hmm. And it's also about 
feeling isolated because you feel like not uh, your your artistic voice isn't being heard as well. Mm. So so you're, you're you're constantly kind of being shut down because no, we don't want to hear about your like you're secluded from from the artistic vision because you're only there to kind of speak about the culture or your expertise in what what you, we want from you in there. And so I feel like sometimes I've had this experience where I've been forced to kind of go, okay. I need to kind of step up my artistic game here and just forget about my art culture for a while. Mm -hmm. Because I need to kind of let these mobs know that I'm here to kind of do this rather than be the black folk. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and it's that choice that you make to kind of go, hang on a minute, yeah, I need to yarn with you about this. And they go, what? No, you don't. Yes, I do. And I'm like, no. <laughs> um, and, and I think, yeah, that's, that's what I mean by, by kind of being in that position and kind of automatically shifting it myself mm -hmm. to make people realise, okay, he's not being a Noongar now, he's <laughs> being a fucking director. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it kind of sounds like, and I like this idea of like, to be able to include more voices in a room, we need to be open to more, like different frameworks as well in how we run the space, the application space, the permission so as we sort of reach the end of the time today, um, what are some like changes or things we'd like to see more of in like application processes, the audition rooms? You know, like we've said, you know, having the prayer room, having these kind of spaces is really nice breakout rooms. What would like help us be able to start these conversations or meet people that we can make work with? Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> it's so ambitious. I wonder what it would be like having almost like uh, consultation groups for a big organization to kind of have an idea of what what artists coming from a minority group kind of how to create that. Because only only we kind of only well, I'm, I'm speaking to me as a 33 year old guy. I don't even know what the 10 the people under me 10 years from me need right now. You know, mm -hmm. that's a whole other different. You know, they're dealing with other issues as well. But I wonder what it should be like having almost like um, a, a, what's the word that you use action groups, Ta task force almost, you know, yeah. that that are, that can come to an organization and be like, you know, just these are things that we've uh, collected from the community that you can co consider when you're inviting artists coming from you know um, a minority background. And I don't know, just to get those, to get that ball rolling, so you don't just kind of turn up and you're like, am I an artist or am I an ambassador for another country? <laughs> <laughs> you're kind of trying to travel between the two, and you know. And, you, and it's hard, you forget, oh, I'm, I'm, they need the ambassador hat right now, or they need the, you know. And you just be clear, once that conversation is on the table, then everyone knows where they stand in many ways, and you can, you know, you know what, where you're, you know, you can navigate the terrain because it's, there's a map for it, yeah. you know. I think definitely, I feel like it, I feel like um, we really should not underestimate the power of getting together in informal situations mm. and groups. I think for me personally, having found from like the lab that we were a part of, not that that was an informed situation, that was a program, but being connected to other artists from culture and linguistically diverse backgrounds, I feel like we'd all existed for so long in like so separate from each other and not realizing that there were other people that were like us trying to do the same thing. And when we came together, it was almost like, <laughs> not that we became like a hive mind, but like you'll see us around the hub, we're kind of flocking, walking together. <laughs> but it's because we we find strength in each other. Um, 
And I, I don't know, I don't know what that sort of means for like not being like, well, if you bring me, you need to bring Laura. She has to come with me. But but I think being open to it might not feel the most comfortable if it's like me now here and everyone else is from a completely different background and I'm the one person. I feel better and happier and safer and more comfortable with people who are of different backgrounds with me or people that I can have conversations with so we can be like, yeah, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And then and then that gives us the confidence to be like, actually, do you know what? We've decided on this. We can come and tell you as an, at an organizational level mm. what we're thinking. Mm. I don't know if anyone else feels like that, but... Um, I, yeah. I know what you mean. I think it's distinctively because we, we find the similarities. So yes. like, oh, you're like that too. Yeah, I am too. And then, then we uh, accept and acknowledge the differences mm. because it's just a natural thing that we, we kind of do. We, we find the differences. And the similarities, but the similarities what kind of keeps us yeah. together and yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Mm-hmm. And then that acknowledgement yeah. of difference comes afterwards. Mm-hmm. Well, it's just not even, it's just there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, but yeah. grabbing hold of the, the similarities, that's the yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To, to jump off that, there was a, a diversity panel that was by the World Economic Forum, I can't remember. Yeah, World Economic Forum a couple of years ago. And they talk about, like, we've tried the policies of assimilation where you celebrate, um, where, you, where you try and get everyone to be the one thing. So you're like, oh, you're part of Australia now, you are Australian. Like, mm. you, this is the model for what Australia is. And then we've tried the model of um, uh, celebrating difference, which is multiculturalism. And, and the, the, you know, the thinkers of like, the people who are leading, you know, curating the Smithsonian and all, all of these people are like, actually offering the model now, like what you're saying is, it's not celebrating, it's you know, celebrating the difference, but the focus is not difference, it's sameness. Mm-hmm. And where are we the same? Mm-hmm. And and these are the points at which we can start exploring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but in, sorry, in terms of like on an organisational level, what you can do to, to, for, for like thinking about your audition processes and all of this stuff, because this is people with people work, I would recommend getting an audit. Just because, you know, Flurin's done it and it's really like, it's been really dope for them. Um, Blake has done it and it's been like incredibly eye-opening. Um, yeah, so this is this is one way to go about it, to workshop new models and new ways of working and thinking, but also just pe- people with people, mm-hmm. like telling people to be able to say what they need to. Can I add yeah. something to that? Oh, yeah. Please. Oh, um, I guess I was just, I was actually going to say like what we're, what performing lines has pretty much done as well is pretty much an example of what possible because I think the question that I think we had before is that what I have been noticed is that a lot of people who are wanting to be creative or if we are immigrants for example we don't sometimes we don't have time and money to even be creative um, and so when we do decide to do that um, we're like okay where do we go how do we get there kind of what you were having that conversation um, and I think for the first time I've been here for 15 years and I've not being able to go to uni, um, that's a personal thing, um, but how do you navigate through that and maneuver through that and one day being like, okay, I actually want to pursue this as um, a career, I actually want to pursue this as being an artist, I want to pursue this as being a performer. Where do I go and what can be available? So there are these different organisations who are now popping up for um, like community grants and things like that. How do we have the accessibility? I, you know, for someone like me and many others, we may not have time or even to be able to go to Wapa, for example. Um, and that's always just, that's always the, the first answer. Go to Wapa. I'm like, So things like this gives opportunity for adults as well 
to be able to um, focus and channel and support. Um, and I think to be able to have this in the future would be amazing to be able to have mentors like which has been offered to us to be okay. Um, how can you help me with this grant that I've been trying to do for so many, like for so long? Um, and so I just wanted to share that because that is supportive and that helps. And I know that there's a few people, like a few organisations who are doing that. But also to be in a room with um, people who are directors, um, producers, um, filmmakers, and the list goes on and on and on. To be able to find agreement in a situation like that is actually very comfortable because most of the time you're trying to find these people and that's exhausting. Um, and when you have a hub, I guess, or a place where that is, it's a lot easier to have that conversation. I just wanted to share that with you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, I'll just add to what Grace said, is that it's not just on a Because I feel like we try, oh my God, this is so 
Um, I feel like I'm trying to say to people, come and be in this industry full of underemployment and poor mental health <laughs> and bad funding, because <laughs> that will make my industry look better and that will make my shows better. And it will genuinely make the shows better, but I, I feel a genuine guilt as a middle-class white um, artist who surfed a wave of funding to his mid-30s to bring people into an industry that I don't think is as healthy as it was when I entered it, and it wasn't healthy when I entered it. So I've got real um, dreadfully mixed feelings about a deep desire to see a better industry and a, and a terrible feeling that it's not great for the people that join it. But you never know the people that just do your door and you're bringing solutions as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great. You kind of need mm -hmm. to be able to mm -hmm. just know that, I don't know, we might not know who walks through that door and what they have within them, you know. Mm. Yeah, you walk in as an artist and you end up as a producer, you come in as an actor, you end up as a director, you come in, I came in, my first gig was a performer and now here yeah, I'm writing and trying to learn how to direct from this amazing director that I see around the room and I don't know, yeah, it's, but that, definitely that door has to be open. No? Hopefully it would increase our audiences. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and they're 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 more popular. Yeah. There's more people who want to come. And in turn, all those issues you, you said are wrong with our industry, right? Mm -hmm. But in turn, mm -hmm. that kind of increases mm -hmm. that.
And I'm just going to say, proud moment, very exciting group of people up here, but also well done to Laura, who was part of our program last um, night, for stepping up. And like this, this, these, these are the moments where, you know, a young emerging individual artist is stepping, stepping up into this space, and I think you did a really excellent job, so thank you for that. Thank you.